All right. Good morning, Doug. We ended last Friday saying, hey, you know, uh, we could talk about this banking issue, but uh, why don't we just save it? You know, nothing will happen between now and next week. And it turns out a lot happened between last Friday and well, certainly today. So what what are your what's your take on this banking crisis we might be entering? Is it a crisis? Uh, yeah, it definitely is. And perhaps uh, a quote from Lenin would be appropriate. He said, um, there are weeks when years happen and years when nothing happens. And this is one of those times. So, and it's just the start of the crisis because don't forget that the, the, uh, hyper bull market in bonds only ended a year ago. Biggest bubble, one of the biggest bubbles in all of world history. It just, it just ended. And then, um, the bubble, super bubble, not a hyper bubble. Not sure what the distinction between those. I'm making my. It's own. big, really big. big. Big, yeah. And stocks ended before that, so uh, yeah, there's a lot of bubbles that are going to be bursting because, you know, we just had an hour conversation with Jim Rogers, who's an old friend of mine, and as Jimmy pointed out, we've been friends for 50 years, and uh, you know, he pointed out that the whole world is in a bubble, which is not news, but it's worthwhile re-emphasizing that and keeping it in the front of your mind. And the bubbles just started to deflate. Will the bubble deflate slowly? Like a helium balloon at a kid's party just kind of gradually goes down? Or will it pop? Uh, Depends on what the Fed's going to do. And while I'm on the subject, uh, if you... When you read the popular press, which I hate doing, but you have to do it if you're going to be in this business. So often now, there are Fed board members, not just of the New York Fed, but uh, all over the other Fed banks, the little baby Fed banks, and they all have opinions, and they're all in the news. That never used to be the case. It used to be nobody knew or nobody really cared where any of who any of the Fed members were, except for the chairman of the Fed. Some people would know that. But now they're becoming major characters, and it makes sense, because the Fed actually controls the economy at this point. It's not taxes that runs the U.S. government. It's Fed monetization of government debt that Hmm. holds the government. So, okay, long answer to the question is, yeah, this is really serious. So if 2009 was bad and 2000 was bad, and they were, and both of them were kissed and made better by the government doing more of those same things that got us into trouble. This one is going to be really big. Yeah. And I uh, hate, hate to make these say things that sound so certain and so ex cathedra because nobody knows what's going to happen. But that's my opinion. Hmm. It's going to be a disaster. And it's just starting. Fortunately, I mean, none of my other commodity commission condition positions have worked out, but I have stops under my calls and puts. So, you know, I lost what I stood to gain. Okay, tough luck. But uh, I do have uh, a position in the VIX where I was long since 1980, and I'm still long at 26. And I don't know how long, how high I can go. It could go to 30 or 35 or something like that. So it's, you just got to get one thing right once in a while. 
and you'll be okay. Well, and unless you're a Silicon Valley billionaire, you don't have to be right, apparently, because you just call daddy if something goes wrong and they show up and backstop all your bank accounts and everything else. Um, so you don't have to be right all the time, I guess, in today's Fed ruled world. That is a very good point because, you know, once again, people don't remember this ancient history, but uh, when when us baby boomers start first started opening up bank accounts, which we could do as little kids with no identification whatsoever, whatsoever, you just say who you were and you open a bank account. Back in those days, the FDIC insured your deposit had a sticker on the door to $10,000 and it got bigger and bigger. Now it's $250,000 officially, but really there is no limit because as, as these, as these people, these idiots have pointed out, if, if you, with the case of SVP, Silicon Valley bank, the vast majority of their deposits were uninsured. Well, and of course it was the feds fault for creating these, hundreds of billions, trillions of new money, and it all flew into the tech market. And of course, they all deposited it there. Now, what's the bank going to do with all that money there? How can you prudently lend out all that money at the top of a bubble while they bought? So yeah, it's their fault. So, okay, they broke it. Now they got to fix it, but they're fixing it in exactly the way that it broke it in the start with. This is, this is a guaranteed disaster. Yeah. And it, it does, I mean, uh, my my populist tendencies just re- really bothers me in that you know it is a bailout of venture capital fundamentally because these are you know if it wasn't some of the venture capitalists themselves had money there but all of the companies that they funded certainly had all their money there and all the people who benefited from that crazy largesse over the last you know last decade it's all that money is there and the the people who are most ben- who most benefited from that backstopping is definitely the VCs, no doubt about it. And, and they, and they were making this argument on Twitter is that, you know, people, they're saying, well, people are just uh, resentful against tech. So they hate tech. And so that's why people don't want to backstop it. But if this was some bank called farmer's bank, you know, then everyone would support bailing it out, which is of course, utter horseshit because they didn't when those banks went under. Right. Right. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wish they look, if they hadn't bailed it out, what would have happened is that bank would have failed and they would have lost all their money and all these tech companies. I mean, the whole Silicon Valley bubble would burst and the bubble would burst lots of other places because it's a giant daisy chain because the whole world is totally over-financialized at this point. I have an article in today's internationalman.com that explains how is a bank supposed to work. And the way banks today work has absolutely about zero to do with the way banks are supposed to work in a sound society. I mean, the whole world is so over-financialized. I mean, 20% of the value of all the stocks in the stock market, and of course, this is changing as we speak now, uh, were financial stocks. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, all they're doing is, all, all they should be doing is moving money and keeping money safe until people figure out what they want to do with it. It's not the way it works anymore by, by a long stretch. This is going to be a, it's going to be worse than, worse than a disaster. 
I think it's going to be a catastrophe. Mm. Which is worse, a disaster or a catastrophe? Good question. I think a catastrophe. I think a catastrophe is probably worse. <laughs> Yeah. You know the 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 what, one of the thing that's missed from a missed opportunity from this bailout of uh, these depositors is that it was an opportunity for lots of really intelligent people to learn the downside of fractional reserve banking for the first time, you know. But now, like they had learned what was so flawed about our banking system from the fractional reserve part, but also the fact that people were shocked that the, you give your deposit money to the bank and the bank goes. And does whatever they want with it. I mean, people are surprised by that. Yeah. And of course, just to briefly, the fractional reserve system, since they're all part of a system, if a bank takes in a thousand dollars, it can lend out, I don't know what the reserve is. Is it 90% or a hundred percent? It actually doesn't matter. They can lend that out immediately. And what happens to that money? Well, it's redeposited in another bank. And then they can lend it out. And then they can lend it out. So the fractional reserve system allows the money supply to expand. And that's on top of the fact, the more basic thing in some ways, is that there's no longer any differentiation between savings accounts and time to and 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 checking accounts. Because historically and economically, rationally, there are two totally separate businesses that have been merged. Uh, we could go into explaining yeah. exactly what I mean by that. People should read the article first, and then we can talk yeah. about it next if there are any questions. But uh, now this is so the only question I have at this point will it be simply a financial meltdown? You know, where all the real wealth in the world still exists, but. A lot of paper wealth goes away and over-indebted people, which is the big thing, that have borrowed all this money, uh, lose what they have. Okay, that's one thing. Or will it be an economic disaster where people start losing their jobs and businesses close their doors and and there's deferred maintenance on everything? And Yeah, I think it's going to turn into that. Yes, I do. And then the next thing is going to be especially because they're fomenting a war, not just in the Ukraine, but with China uh, over these islands in the South China Sea. It's another subject worth talking about, but not now. And God knows where else. Uh, Yeah, it'll be military. And of course, it's demographic too, because, you know, these people have fomented, actively fomented race hatred everywhere. I mean, it's not necessary doesn't happen in the normal course of events, but uh, yeah, that's happening too. So this is this is really going to be interesting to watch. I think yeah. I think Uruguay is, is one of the most backward, isolated countries in the world, but adequately developed. It's probably one of the best places to be just to watch this shit happen on the widescreen, which I've said for years. I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> I have to say, there's. A- so far, I've been here, you know, 16 months. There hasn't been a day where I go, oh, yeah, I wish I were back in the U.S., honestly. Yeah, so. it's, it's pretty quiet, but we've got everything that we need or want here. Well, except no. except fine exotic dining. There's no Vietnamese or or Japanese or 
even good Chinese restaurants here. That's too bad. They're kind of insular that way. They are. But they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if things get bad enough, I don't think people will have those fine dining choices in a lot of the U.S. either. You know, if things get that bad. No. Too poor for it. No, they may not. Well, and if the Uruguayans really want one bad enough, they can start a war uh, with, with somebody, one of those countries, and then take in lots of immigrants that can start restaurants. But it's not necessary to start a war to get re- re- good restaurants. That's been the U.S. strategy for fine dining, start wars all over the world. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. <laughs> it is diverse. It is diverse because of that. Um yeah, as we were talking, when we were talking to Jim earlier, he he brought up the fact that in you know the U.S.'s entire existence, there's only been 15 years without war of some kind happening somewhere. Yeah, it's it's very much like what happened with the uh, Roman Empire. It was the temple of the two-faced god who was called. Sorry, his name has slipped my mind. Nobody knows who he is, is that anymore. J- is that Janus? Janus, exactly. Uh, Yes, the temples, uh, the uh, the doors of the Temple of Janus, where you, where I guess because war could go either way, turn right, mm. turn left, anything happened. So the temple doors were almost always closed for always because the Romans were always at war, and it worked out really well for them, it seemed, for a long time, and then it turned out. That it was actually a really bad mistake for many reasons we could talk about. So it worked out equally badly for the Athenians too, when mm. when they thought that Athens was the center of the world, which it was. And then they decided to teach the Spartans a lesson and it didn't work out quite the way they <laughs> Well, and I think the US is set up for that right now with Russia, it seems to me. There's a I don't know if you saw the news about there was a drone, a uh, U.S. drone that was flying around the Black Sea. Apparently, it was an unarmed uh, surveillance drone, and it was. Uh, they had some uh, some Russian jets went up to check it out, and they dumped their fuel on it first, kind of like a you know a dog peeing on a fire hydrant, kind of an insult, it seemed to me. And then uh, ultimately, it crashed. Um, there's differing r- reports as to why it crashed, but the U.S. response to that has been. How dare they? And almost this, this desire to immediately escalate. Do you have Lindsey Graham, you know, on on TV demanding some escalation or reprisal? Do you have uh, Senator Cotton saying we should immediately get some more drones up there with fighter escort? What do these people think? Do they want all? Of, do they want Americans to die in Europe again? Is that what the point of all of this? It's amazing that that shameful little poofter, Lindsey Graham. What what is the matter with the people of his home state? Is he from South Carolina? Yes. Or, yeah. Why? How do people like that keep getting elected? I guess it's because he he brings home the bacon and passes out favor to favors to people, and then they tell everybody he's a good guy and all that. So I guess I guess Bubis Americanus is getting exactly what he deserves. The kind of People get the leaders that they deserve, generally speaking. So I have less and less sympathy for for residents of the United States. But as far as that's as far as the, these people are insane warmongers. They're they're just they're just asking for trouble. I mean, Russia is a country that threatens nobody. Well, no, they're gonna invade Europe all the way to 
this is this is completely this is a fantasy that's been made up. And we've gone over in the past the reasons why they invaded Ukraine. A mistake, yes. Were they provoked? Mightily, mightily provoked. So how long were they supposed to be provoked, and what could they do about it? Well, it's a real problem. Uh, that's something that could have been talked about beforehand. But uh, I'm fairly convinced that the Russians are, and of course, all we know is propaganda from this side and propaganda from the other side. And you can't be sure who to believe. War, you know, the truth is the first casualty in war. But uh, you can't play with fire like this when when both sides have nuclear weapons. And certainly on our side, many of them are criminally insane. They're professional warmongers. I think the Russians are much more prudent about this type of thing. Well, maybe not. They invited Afghanistan. Uh and it wasn't so long after World War II, you'd think they would have known better. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know how this can end badly. We can only hope that since Biden blew up the Nord Stream, the Germans are going to, you know, back away from this disaster. I hope so. And I, I know I sidetracked us into talking about Russia just because this was something new in the news. But uh, but we'll get back to the banking thing in just a second and maybe what people should do about it. But I think that the... Um, I guess, do you think that people like Lindsey Graham are actually just so foolishly arrogant that they do not understand the consequences of their demands? Or are they just, or do they want, are they more like these, uh, like a, some new age cult that wants to bring on the end times as fast as possible? Because it doesn't make sense to me, their approach. No, it doesn't. But as I pointed out before, uh, these people that are in Washington in very high and well-known positions uh, and are very well known, are actually terminally ignorant. Uh, and from my personal experience, which is the best way to talk, because that's something I actually know about, I had lunch, just me, with um, Newt Gingrich, who was a, a leading figure in yeah. in the deep state, the Beltway crowd years ago. And not so long after the uh, 911 uh, disaster, so I asked him, you know, so what did you think about Building 7, Newt? What happened there? And you know what his response was? What are you talking about? And I said, well, that was like a 50-story office building that was part of the World Trade Center complex that collapsed in its own footprint about 12 hours after the 1 and 2 were hit. And he looked at me quizzically. He says, is that right? <laughs> I mean, he didn't know about it. They hadn't told him about it. His staff hadn't told him about it because I guess they thought it was irrelevant. So even these fools that are leaders actually don't know what's going on because they live in their wow. own little political bubble. I mean, shocking. It's, it's shocking and shameful. It would be wonderful to interrogate Lindsey Graham. Uh, well, I shouldn't use that word because you might think, no, no, not the way the CIA does it in their black exactly. side. It's, uh, I, I wouldn't want to scare them away. <laughs> But um, no, anything anything can happen with these people. Yeah, well, the ignorance thing—I I think that that's crazy. It's crazy that that dumb, but it does make sense. It's the only thing that kind of justifies some of their decisions and thinkings that they just are totally clueless and totally inept. So that makes sense. So, so Doug, they're, what they're, do you think? They're, 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 they keep provoking the Russians. I'll give you my prediction, as far as I can tell. I mean, it could wind up with World War Three, and 
you know, uh, many European and other cities turn into smoking ruins. I mean, that's possible. But I think what's most likely to happen is the Russians will capture about a third or half of the Ukraine, which is full of Russian-speaking people that want to be part of Russia, or at least not part of the Ukraine for lots of reasons, and it'll end there. That's that's the way I predict it's going to happen. Hope you're right. Hope you're right. Yeah, that's the best. That's the best case scenario. Okay, so back to the banking stuff, Doug. Uh, sorry for that sidelining things, but um, what what should someone do right now if they have a lot of cash in a bank? Because well, you know, businesses obviously any business operating is going to have more. It's going to have more over the insured amount. You know, if this if this is a financial crisis that's spreading, like, are there things an individual or a business could do or should do in order to try and protect themselves? Yes, because apparently. Silicon Valley Bank was what they call systemically important. So they could bail out everybody that had it. But what if you're not in a systemically important bank? Uh, you know, they've got to show a little bit of background by punishing the plebs. So if you're in flyover country, uh, yeah, I think you should probably open up as many different accounts as you reasonably can and deposit it there or buy treasury bills. Um, what you can do through Treasury Direct, I think, right? Because the U.S. government, yeah, exactly, something like that. But you shouldn't keep uh, if you're in flyover country uh, more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars because they may not bail you out, and you'll certainly be inconvenienced while they try to figure out what to do. Right, and so that's one thing, uh, and this is of course the reason why the stock market. Uh, Maybe better than cash, maybe, because at least these corporations, some of them anyway, own real assets. So, okay, that's an argument for not being a super double bear on the stock market, uh, although it's grossly overpriced. Uh, if you have any bonds, and bonds have bounced up recently, uh, flight to safety, ridiculous concept. Because these these bonds are all zombies. They, they really all are. Remember, bonds are a triple threat to your capital. You've got the interest rate risk, and interest rates are headed up. No question about that, in my mind, over the long term. I'm not saying if you're a future speculator, you know, go short tomorrow morning. No. Hmm. So you got the interest rate risk. You've got the currency risk and the dollar is going to reach its intrinsic value. And and you've got the credit risk. A lot of these companies are going to default on their bonds. And you don't know, even if it looks pretty good, they may have interests that somebody defaults on them and changes everything. And it's a daisy chain. So, okay, forget bonds. You should be buying gold. And I've said for years Gold is reasonably priced, not cheap, not dear. I mean, it's done really well since 1971, having gone up about 55 times, which is why I think you should use it as a savings vehicle for safety, for prudence. But wait a minute, this is exactly the time when you want safety and prudence, and it's not overpriced, and but it's going higher. It could turn into a good speculation. So now it brings us to the next thing. Well, what about, uh, well, we can talk about all these other commodities. Let's not do that. 
it's gold mining stocks and oil stocks. Okay. Uh, I think oil is very reasonably priced at this point. You know, in that book I wrote in 1993, Prices Investing for the Rest of the 90s, terrible title, uh, but publishers title books, not authors, especially that publisher, which is subsequently out of business. There are morons. <laughs> anyway, I had a very good uh, chapter on oil. If you have a copy of the book, uh, dig it up. And at the time, I said, look, oil's $25, and I gave all the reasons, blah, 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 production, consumption, the whole thing. Why it was kind of reasonably priced at $25? Well, in the 30 years since then, yeah, $70, which is where oil is now, is reasonably priced. So oil's fine. Natural gas is cheap. There are natural gas stocks out there. There are lots of oil stocks, which which incidentally sold off in gas stocks, too. We can get 10%. I think they're a great place to be right now. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Big upside potential and get paid while you wait. But gold stocks, uh, oddly enough, the big ones, uh, well, Newmont's the biggest one, uh, have been moving up. But the kind of small speculative crap that I tend to own, uh, yeah, they've been going up. But with gold up like 20 and 30 and $50 in a day recently, no. Uh, a real action. Public is public is too scared. Public doesn't know these stocks exist. They're too scared. And if they knew they exist, they'd be too afraid of them. So uh, uh, I think it's a good place to be because at some point, the mania is going to spill up, spill over into these crappy little gold stocks and they will fly because like I said, they're not small caps. They're not mini caps, they're not micro caps, they're nano caps. Some actually, some of them are pico caps. They don't even exist to legitimate investors. Mm-hmm. People that, anyway, that, I think it's a good bet, but I could be dead wrong. Well, but I guess it's possible. If I'm dead wrong on that, I'll mostly just be embarrassed, I think. <laughs> so, as a practical matter, you, the, you're, your any money that you have that's in a brokerage account is falls under a different legal jurisdiction than it does if it's in a bank account, right? So is it like if you had extra cash in a bank account, would you be better off just moving it to your brokerage instead in general? The CIPIC. How much does CIPIC insure to? I think CIPIC insures it's it's a sticker principle. Again, you put a sticker on the door, government guarantee, don't worry about anything. I think am I correct? Is it a million dollars for CIPIC? You know, I don't know. I'll look it up, though. I'll find out. I should look. I should look it up. That's much more relevant uh, for someone. And, and of course, in Canada, it's a different story again. And I'm not exactly sure, embarrassingly, what the uh, situation is in Canada or, for that matter, in most countries in the world, because these rules are always changing and the amounts are always changing. So it, um, it appears that. Uh... It provides a limit of up to five hundred thousand dollars in cash and two hundred fifty thousand in securities per account. In CIPIC or in Canada? In CIPIC. CIPIC. That's, that's what oh. Google's telling me. I assume that's correct. Five hundred thousand cash and two fifty in securities. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So I guess it's somewhat better than the. 
I wonder if the bro- <laughs> but I'd like to well let's see if the brokerage firm fails maybe your cash will be wiped out but if you're carrying a debit balance I'll bet that's not going to be wiped out <laughs> and st- the the accountants will find a way to make sure that it's not forgotten that's right <laughs> poor little guy he always gets screwed always gets screwed I even saw some people you know just like we remember the the meme stock thing how you know they all these people who are you know, when there was a short squeeze on GameStop remember, a year and a half ago, whatever it was, and and basically all those trades got unwound, you know, just because the little guy was on the on that side of the trades and just like and like how the the LME squeeze around nickel, you know, got completely unwound where the you know, the people who were betting properly just it didn't work out. Apparently Yeah, and there was not and that's nothing new because back in the uh it was it was about nineteen eighty, I guess. The Hunt brothers, the famous Hunt brothers were notoriously long silver trying to corner the market. And of course the exchanges stopped in, stepped in and helped did, did, they all got together to crash the market and the poor huts lost all their money. So it's a rigged yeah. game. It is it's a rigged, rigged game. game. So the best thing to do is just kind of, you know, play around the edges. So but don't well, you know, I'm not talking to Jamie Diamond here. Uh, <laughs> And I, I try, I try to read his missives, but they're just, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of them. Do you have any opinion on Jamie Dimon's missives, which he sends out to everybody? I mean, he always sounds thoughtful and intelligent and a little bit magnanimous, honestly. But I, but I, but everything he says is for broad public consumption to make sure that people don't come with pitchforks to the bank, I think. So probably. I mean, maybe he's a real smart guy. He's not as smart as Jim Rogers. I'm, sure so. I'm sure he's pretty smart. Yeah, I'm sure he is pretty smart. But the uh, just the uh, there was a, a recently apparently there was another one of these trades got unwound. People who had um, were shorting Silicon Valley Bank through options because the stock was technically halted and those options are expiring. Some exchanges are not allowing people to unwind those, you know, seriously oh. profitable. Yeah. So if you guess right, you're screwed. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about that. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's. Hmm. Well, of course, the, one of the one of the problems with the market, both stocks and commodities, is that people don't really trade stocks and commodities. They trade options on stocks and commodities. So these derivatives are especially derivatives on commodity. And I do this all the time, so I recognize the risk. But I don't think most people recognize it. These are derivatives. They're not the real things. I mean, they can dry up and blow away. Exactly. In a, in a properly functioning market, outside of the extremes, it always works. But yeah. when something gets extreme at all, it like there's always some issue. And then usually that gets unwound to the disadvantage of the individual investor. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one thing if options trading was, you know, a fringe activity, no big deal. Okay, that's fine. But now everybody does it. It's the way everything is done, including institutions. So it's, well, one more, you know, one more reason why things could go seriously wrong. Yeah. But th- is that right? They, they're not acknowledging the put purchases on SVP, huh? Yeah, at least, uh, well, I know for sure Robinhood isn't, and I thought I saw uh, that Fidelity was was tr- was trying to reject them as well. But, oh. uh, but yes, yeah, that's what they're, they're trying to, yeah, they're rejecting it. 
Gee, I thought Robin Hood and Fidelity were on the front of the, the friends of the little guy. I mean, <laughs> I Robin so well, I'm sure the SEC has step in and bail those individuals out. I mean, that's why they there. They're there, right? Yeah, the of SEC. course. That's what the SEC is. <laughs> Therefore, they've got thousands of employees and to um the costs of just maintaining the bureaucracy, uh, all the supernumeraries uh and 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 cubicle fillers uh, and well of course the hotshots don't fill cubicles they've got sumptuous offices but the SEC I don't know what their current expenditures just on that is is I think about five billion dollars stand to be corrected on that but that's that's chicken feed relative to the damage that they do directly by creating distortions in the market and indirectly by making Bubasak uh, Americanus think that he's protected by somebody. So certainly one of the things that I would do is abolish the SEC. Well, but there are many, many agents. <laughs> and it's completely ac- academic. So I, I'm, I'm happy to make this statement just to put the meme out there, which everybody will think is completely insane. Uh, well, and of course, at this point, if you did that, the whole system whole system would collapse, which it'll collapse anyway, but I'd rather have a controlled demolition than have it all collapse unexpected, totally unexpectedly on the part of the poor people in flyover country, which is what's going to happen, incidentally. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Uh, all right. Well, on that good news, I think we'll leave it there for today, Doug. And uh, next time we talk, I, I, I sent you this video about this uh, Stanford uh, speech from this uh, federal judge. Just, I'd like to take a look at that and we could talk about that because I think we are, we've already started to see the beginnings of a cultural revolution, like a total Maoist style cultural revolution in America. And I think everyone is underestimating it, but I want you to watch that video and let's discuss. I think you're right. Good point. All right. We'll do that soon. And of course, Friday, regardless, we'll have questions and answers. So file members can send in questions and we'll talk about the questions and you know your questions my answers i hope my answers are some good yours too (laughs) all right okay thanks doug really appreciate it talk to you then thanks man